0: You're listening to the sound of my voice. Hello, everybody. My name is D'Angelo Valentine, and this is the Unplugged Podcast. everybody it has been a very long time as you may know this is the unplugged podcast we're back at it again it is season three and um, I know it has been a long time since you probably heard a podcast That was probably what last year April but there was a lot of things happening but we're back again we're back full speed ahead and uh, today's topic it's called order in the court and we have a fan favorite in the building again we have sarah james and she's gonna break it down to us so we're gonna just give her a round of applause there we go there we go there we go all right all right all right all right so here's the thing we don't need to give her any introduction she has been on the podcast for both season one and season two and usually she will be the second episodes in the podcast but today she is on episode one so i don't even need to introduce herself here we are sarah james say what up to everybody
1: hey, hey, hey. what's <laughs> up unplugged so good to be back season three
0: season three we're back so today's topic we're talking about ordering the court and um you know this we were talking uh before all of this coming back to doing the podcast and everything like that but um you know you brought up uh something about how the court system works uh for me i'm not too familiar about it especially the canadian court Mm -hmm. but i know you're going to show some uh, uh golden nuggets today and uh share some gems today for people to know understand uh and uh basically you know what to do if they encounter a certain situation, if they have a family member with that situation. So um, I'm going to just go right into it. Just go right straight to the meat. And my first question is, what is a plea deal and what is the point of it?
1: Ooh, a plea deal. That's something that some people love and Not You shouldn't really love it, but I will tell you a little bit more about it. So plea deal is when you get a plea deal, most people will say, hey, um, I've got a charge. You know, you are sitting in court. And, you know, a lot of us when, you know, you first go into an institution, you don't want to be there guaranteed right away. So um, what they will do is the Crown will then turn around and offer you a plea bargain. So a plea bargain, also a plea agreement or plea deal, is an agreement in criminal law proceedings whereby the prosecutor provides a concession to the defendant in exchange for a plea of guilt. Okay, so that means that they're saying, okay, you can go home today. But you know what? you have to plea out that you've done something. So here's the deal. It sounds good because you get to go home because you really don't want to be going back down to the jail cell. But the thing is 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 the plea worth it? is the question? I don't know, man, the the,
0: the system's kind of weird and it's it's wonky. it's funky. It's like I don't know why it's set up this way. and it kind of leads into my next question. Uh, actually, before i I, uh, I asked that question, what is the crown for those who are listening because, um, I have listeners that are not just in Canada. Um, what, what is the crown, so to speak?
1: Okay, very good question. So the crown is, is, it's your judge. They're representing Canada, right? And so you're going to the justice system and they are sitting, um, standing there and they are you're before the judge. And so that's the crown. So uh, usually what you do is you try to lawyer up. If you've heard that saying before, you try to get a lawyer because, again, you have the right to... Um, you have the right to, to legal counsel, because when you are in a situation like that, uh, a lot of times we, we we've never been in trouble before, or maybe we have. But the only thing is, is you can't represent yourself as well as someone who's educated enough to do it is. So that's why you try to get a lawyer, because you're going against your judge. Right. The, you know, the crown. That's what it is.
0: Okay. So that thank you for clearing that up. Now, uh, my next question is, why would the justice system push the need for a plea deal?
1: Uh, Okay, so what for defendants, the most significant benefit to plea bargaining is to take away the uncertainty of a criminal trial and to avoid the maximum sentence that a conviction at trial could mean. Right. Because a lot of times when you first get a charge, if you look, there's when you get a charge that could go from, you know, a minimum of three months to a maximum of a year or two years or three years. And depending on how significant the charge is, it can go from, you know, up to life, let's say, right? So there's, there's all these different, um, Charges that you can receive, depending on the severity of it, you know, how involved were you, um, how much evidence do they have, right? So when you took a plea deal out, instead of going and trying to pick through all the evidence and, you know, and you may be guilty, but you might not be guilty. But the only thing is, is a lot of times people will take a plea even if they're not guilty, unfortunately, but then they'll, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, I'm guilty, listen, just here, yes, okay. You know what, if it's gonna mean that I do a year probation and get out of here today, I'm going I'm, give me the year probation. The only thing is, is that you are left with a criminal record, right? So accepting a plea bargain could also save you a lot of money on attorney's fees and if there's a strong likelihood of a conviction, then that's where people can get a little bit more apt to want to take a plea deal.
0: Okay. So now for plea deals, what are the do's and don'ts? Mm. So if you took the plea deal, what 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 is the do, do's and don'ts? What like what I what is the proper way of handling it in if you're in that particular situation?
1: Okay, good question. Good question. So um when it comes to let's let's look at the disadvantages of a plea deal. So uh It removes the right to have a trial or jury. So if you are saying that you are innocent, you know, innocent until proven guilty, at this moment, you are now uh, considered guilty. It still creates a criminal record for the innocent. So again, you want to... Um, you know, try to go through life without having a criminal record as much as you can, because once you get that criminal record, uh, you know, it takes a long time to either get it expunged or, you know, you have stigma uh, attached to it. There's a whole lot of different things. Employment starts to get rough for you. So again, with the criminal record, you are now looked at, um, you know, as having one. Uh, Judges are not required to follow a plea bargain agreement exactly sometimes. So again, if it might be that if you have, okay, you're pleading to something, you're pleading to the charge you're saying that you're doing it and so then usually what will happen is attached to that plea will be okay now you have um some requirements you know um orders that you have to do so it might be doing anger management it might be going on probation it might be doing a substance abuse program might be doing you know different things that attach to that and sometimes like it says the judges the crown may not be required to follow the plea bargain and plea bargains eliminate the chances of an appeal so they're saying that, no, you're you're taking this now. So a lot of times what will happen is, um, you know, if there's not a lot of evidence and it's not looking good for you or something like that, a lot of times maybe the lawyer will say, hey, listen, this isn't looking really good for you. Here's the plea bargain. This is what they're saying. This is what they're asking for. You know, you plea out and you get this. Because if you don't, you go to trial, you may get more time attached depending on what they find, right? Witnesses. Uh, evidence, all those kind of things. So again, um, so that those are the disadvantages. The advantages are though that again, sometimes you get to just cut, cut it. Cause like sometimes court proceedings can take years. Right. And you know, sometimes it just gets really drawn out. You're paying a lot of money for your lawyer cause you're going to need legal counsel the entire time that you're going through this uh, court system process. So, I mean, sometimes a lot of people just want to be done with it. they will take it, uh, the plea bargain and that will be done.
0: Okay, so that's if you take the plea bargain and you know that you're guilty. But my next question is, what are your rights if you were arrested for something you didn't do?
1: So again, uh, just thinking about what are your rights if you're arrested for something you didn't do? I mean... Unfortunately, there's going to be probably a lot of people on this podcast that are listening that are going to be able to identify with that exact thing. You get pulled over for, you know, suspicious activity or, you know, you're getting profiled or there's someone just that looks like you. Um, you know, as I hear a lot from my clients um, that, you know, we living in certain areas. You know, the, the, the police will just roll up you know, and if you, uh, you know, if you just look like a certain type, they might just stop and talk to you and ask you questions. And a lot of times, like, you know, you have the right if there's there's nothing, there's no probable cause, you can say, what do you want me? Like, what do you, what are you trying to get my information for? Or, you know, even if you kind of push back a little bit, you know, unfortunately those situations have gone into more of like, oh, you know, you're, you're talking back to me. You're not complying. There must be a reason. And then they say, okay, what's your name? And even if maybe you've done something before and you're not doing anything at that time, if they run your name and anything comes up, you might as well just call it a day because they're going to try to get you on something. Um, A lot of times they just, you know, back in the day, not so much anymore, but you might have watched some documentaries on Netflix, um, things like that, where, you know, sometimes they need to get... You know a conviction and so you know they try to pin it on you because you have uh, a, a you know a rep to be a problematic person um, anyways going back to what you've said before is like if you didn't do anything well you're you're technically innocent until proven guilty but again you have to get a lawyer because you have to represent yourself in a legal way in the court systems to know what you know what you're doing in there because again if you don't know what you're doing you can find yourself in a in a situation where you might be sitting in remand for a long time, which is the Toronto South Detention Center, that big one million dollar, you know, no, there's a billion dollar, sorry, not even a million dollars. It was a one billion dollar project. It's, you know, you'll if you ever enter in, in Tobacco down on Horner, you'll see it. But uh yeah, so a lot of those people are sitting there and they're innocent because they've gotten picked up on a charge or, you know, there's they're innocent. They haven't, there's no uh, there's been nothing proven, right? So, and just because you've been charged for something doesn't mean you're convicted, right? A charge means, hey, you got a charge for, let's say, robbery. You know, someone looked like you. They, someone said your name. You're a suspect. We're picking you up, and we're going to put you in remand because you've been charged, but you haven't been put in front of a judge yet. So they keep you, uh, you know, in jail until they can you can you know get a court proceeding in front of a judge. And so a lot of times, you know, a lot of people are sitting there, and you know, they are innocent, and unfortunately, that's that's the case for a lot of a lot of people in Toronto.
0: When do you need a lawyer? Or can you be represented by a paid lawyer, a legal aide, paralegal, or yourself? Actually, um, as you're explaining this question, can you tell me the differences uh, between all of those uh, counterparts, and then when would be best to use one of those options?
1: Yeah, D'Angelo, no problem. Okay, so for the people out there, you might have heard about a paralegal, so to better understand the difference between a paralegal and an attorney, let's start by clarifying what a paralegal can do. So paralegals may complete many of the same legal tasks that a lawyer does, except those prescribed by law. But paralegals can do on behalf of or under the supervision of a licensed attorney. So a lot of times um, they know their you know they'll know their legal rights. They know um, you know what you can do. So while they're both legal professionals who complete Uh, the legal work, there's a few broad but important areas of difference between lawyer and paralegals. So one is the ability to practice law. Put simply, licensed lawyers can practice law. Conversely, there are few, uh, far few formal requirements. We'll touch on this more um, a little bit later. Tasks and responsibilities. While most legal careers come with a certain amount of stress, lawyers uh, shoulder a greater degree of responsibility for legal work. This is because a supervising attorney is ultimately responsible for their paralegal's work. Okay. Qualifications. Lawyers must meet a specific set of educational training and licensing requirements to practice law. Conversely, to work as a paralegal, there are far less formal requirements and salary and compensation, of course, uh, while becoming a lawyer requires more education, there's a higher potential return on investment. Uh, as we will discuss later, the earning potential of a lawyer is generally much higher than theirs of a peer legal Why? uh, I'll just tell you now, actually. Uh, So paralegal, you know, they go to school. You have to do a little course. You know, you pay a little bit of money Um, again. But when you are a lawyer, you're going through a lot more um, severe educational. You have to do the bar, you know, and then you start to represent yourself. So paralegals usually help out, but they usually are not the ones that are going to court and representing you. They usually give you the information you need um, when you're looking for some legal advice.
0: Next is like the the paid lawyer. Um, so what, what's that about? Like, okay, you have a lawyer and then paid lawyer. What is a paid lawyer?
1: Okay. So a person who has earned their law degree, also known, uh, as a juris doctor degree, right? We have, they have a doctorate, uh, by graduating from accredited law school is considered a lawyer, but a law degree alone doesn't uh, qualify you to represent clients in court. So that's the difference. Um, In law, uh, or attorney is a person who has graduated from an accredited law school and who has also passed the bar exam, like I said, and uh, practices law. So that's the difference, right? So it's just, again, the amount of education that you have. Paralegals gain the legal knowledge and experience uh, to know if pursuing a career as a lawyer is a good match for their skills and personality. Also, paralegals understanding the law and experience may make it easier to get through their legal education. However, even experienced paralegals will need to complete the same educational and licensing requirements as all other attorneys in order to practice law.
0: Okay. And uh, the next would be like, it's like an appointed lawyer um, that's appointed by the
1: court? Uh you're talking about legal aid. Legal aid. That's yeah. where you're going. I see you. I see you. All right. So, legal aid. Yeah, usually legal aid is there. Oh gosh, they're over they're overworked and underpaid, let me tell you. And a lot of times what happens is that not everybody has money for a lawyer you know a lawyer comes with the cost just even a retainer just to even for them to look at your case because they have to get the documentations they have to get the affidavits they have to get everything from the get the courts and everything like that so you know it's a lot of reading it's a lot of understanding your situation plus if there's you know um, any other kind of research or work that they have to do in order to win your case right and so that's where paralegals usually come in so because they know the law and they can do a lot of little research and kind of give you what's good but it's actually Actually, the lawyer that's going to the stand to talk to the big guy which is you know the 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 judge so um yeah so then legal aid what they do too is like you know a lot of times they are for underfunded people so usually if you want to get legal aid you have to call up and they will ask you for your pay stub or how are you supporting yourself financially they have to see that you um, make a certain amount of money in order to be able to represent you and so if you make under a certain amount, you're living in the poverty line or, you know, things like that, then they can represent you. But a lot of times it's like there are 150 clients to one person, right? So that's why you're getting like the half fast. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll go to court for you. They'll peer for you. They'll give you, but, you know, they're not going to be able to do the extensive research and stuff that one might need. And unfortunately that's what happens for a lot of people that are, you know, not made of money, you know, is, you know, money talks and 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 people walk but if you don't then you're usually sitting in a detention center unfortunately right so that's a little bit of understanding of legal aid so i mean they they can represent you but again they're just really overworked and underpaid so
0: okay it makes sense and then now for representing yourself
1: i mean okay i'm just gonna give it to you straight d'angelo don't do it I mean, I've heard of people doing it. I know of people doing it, but it's not really in your best interest if you don't know the law. You have to know your stuff in order to go in front of a judge to be taken seriously. I've known people that have wanted to go and represent themselves and they go to court and they stand up there and the judge looks at them and says, where's your lawyer? And you're like, no, 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 I'm representing myself. They say, no, 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 no right you you go find representation for yourself you go find your you know go find a lawyer and someone to represent you and then come back um so yeah so a lot of times i i i will suggest that you don't represent yourself again because you can again if you don't know your legal rights then they could slap a huge you know conviction on you and you could be doing way more time you know you don't know the loopholes you don't know the language so i just highly recommend not doing it
0: wow I know there are some um, services that actually teach you how to represent yourself, but even even after you've done all that training, the judge can still say no.
1: I mean, I guess I, I guess if you could try, it ain't no harm in trying. I guess it's a lot of times too. It's a lot of times it's the judge you get. So the judge that you get may uh give you the chance to okay they say okay you're, you came here you're okay then speak speak your piece like you know like um but uh, some might not and it's even the same even if you have a lawyer it depends on the judge kind of sentencing you're going to get sometimes you just pray for a good judge on a good day um because they have all the power you know they can take a look at your situation and if they feel like hey like you know what this guy deserves a second chance i'm going to take it easy i'm going to you know slap you on the wrist and you're going to you know go do a little community service and. And maybe one year of probation, you know, that's something that you could, you know, pray for. Or they can say, you know what, sir, I'm going to use you as an example. And you know what, I'm going to give you one year, you know, provincial time. And uh, then I'm going to give you, you know, pro- and then your probation or parole after the fact. Right. So, um yeah, so it depends.
0: Okay. 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 Well, for now, we know not to represent ourselves or try not to um and then what are the you know knowing in terms of if we can financially do it to do um what are the best uh representation options now after we've learned all of that now i know a lot of seeing stuff from court from the us but i'm not so familiar what happens in canada so can you explain the misconceptions that people have about Canadian, the Canadian justice system and why do they think it's like the U S or, um, or they think that certain things are transferable between the two countries?
1: You know, that's a good question. D'Angelo, uh, in, I, you know, I'll tell you just from my experience and it's just about a lot of times, like a lot of people watch too much TV, you know, um, that happens a lot. Uh, you, you know, A lot of people, their misconception of, you know, when they get in jail, unfortunately, they say that, you know, crude things can happen to you while you're in there and things like that. So I find that that's what I usually hear from the difference in the systems, right? Um, You know, here we do have some standards uh, different than the states. But again, it's maybe the sentencing, things like that. Um, But I just, you know, I'm more familiar with the Canadian, uh, you know, Jail systems and stuff like that, but uh, the States, I would say that like in the States, you get a little bit less um, of the help, I guess, maybe supports and stuff like that in the American jails, depending on which one you get, right? Some of them are really good and some of them aren't so good. And I guess it's just like here in Canada, right? Sometimes you get them and depends if you're provincial or federal, right? Provincial, I know you're going to ask me about those, right? And I'll kind of go into detail a little bit about provincial and and federal, but I'll I'll keep it more Canadian. But uh, yeah, so... I really don't know too much about the U.S. system. I'm so sorry.
0: No, that's okay, because we're we're north of the border, so we we don't have to worry about it that much. But uh, anybody who's listening uh, who is in the U.S. and has a very good grasp on the legal system in the U.S., I would love to interview you as well to kind of uh, shed some light uh, for my U.S. listeners as well of what to know and how to educate them about the law in the U.S., Um, So we talked about a little bit of the misconceptions about the Canadian justice system. I'll also add to it as well is um, bail and bail bonds. Um, So I know in the U.S. when it comes to bailing somebody out, you can go to a bail bond company and, you know, they'll pay for your bail and stuff like that. And then uh, you have to pay them back and this and that. And depending on the jurisdiction of where you're from, That bail bonds company can actually come after you, arrest you, and then uh, after that, the authorities can take over from there. But I know that doesn't happen in Canada because we don't have uh, bail bondsmen, we don't have bounty hunters, we don't have any of that stuff like that. I think everything is done through the government, I'm assuming?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So here um, about bail. So a bail hearing is when a judge decides whether the accused should either be kept in jail or allowed to go back to the community while their case is in criminal court. So after a bail hearing, the person may get bail, which is a court order that lets them stay in the community while their cases are in the court system. Usually there will be conditions attached to the bail and these are rules that must be followed exactly or they might be sent back to jail to wait for their next court date.
0: Okay. Um, Kind of jumping a little bit ahead here. So talking about the bail system. Now I overheard something that you said the last time we met and you were talking about like house arrest and especially like the ankle monitor. You have to pay for an ankle monitor? Please, please explain as to why or as to how that's even a thing,
1: I know God love people that have to not only get this situation happen to them, but uh, you know, when they want out. If you want out bad enough, right? Uh, they're saying, okay, we'll let you out, but some people might be flight risks. Um, in the meaning of you might, you know, jump ship, Uh, you know, I have my situation here in Toronto, I've been charged here in Toronto, I have a court date coming up. And, um, and so usually some, you know, depending on your situation, they will put an ankle monitor on you, and you have to pay for it, and they're pretty penny. Um, So a lot of times, uh, you know, a lot of times people will either, you know, it allows you to work so you can pay it that way. Or if you have financial supports through friends and family, things like that. Um, but I've had a lot of people call here where I work um, at John Howard and be like, how do I pay for this income monitor? Um, I know that uh, depending on different funding and stuff like that, that different locations have, like just community service locations, they might be able to help you with those fees. But yeah, if you want to be able to get out and do your thing, you have to pay for it
0: okay what's the cost
1: okay so provincial institutions so if a person gets sentenced to two years less a day or any time under two years less a day served their time is in a provincial institution some provincial institutions also act as a detention center for example um the central east correction center acts as a as a detention center for durham um so again uh I know uh sometimes over here we have some people that are in Maplehurst. Sorry the name has lost me uh but Maplehurst yeah is usually is a provincial institution. And so you're thinking well what's two years less a day so it might be you know theft under so let's say you um stole something worth a value of less than you know $5,000. Um assaults um, assault causing bodily harm. Again, sometimes these can go depending on what the what how serious was the offense, it can go from, you know, being something provincial to being for something federal, right. Um, and then you have the federal um, jails, which are uh, also the institutions so if a person is sentenced to two years or more, they enter the federal institution. Provincial adults with sentences of imprisonment less than two years. I already said that. Adults awaiting trial or sentencing, go provincial. Uh, adults under parole supervision, so if granted by the Ontario Parole Board, uh, provincial is adults held in immigration detention, or adults awaiting transfer to a federal institution. So. That's where people go to a provincial. Um, So you might have heard, like I said, Maplehurst or Mailhaven or different uh, little little local places like that. And then you have federal, which is adult serving sentences of two plus years.
0: Okay, so then the next one, um, I'm going to go off the rails with this one. Let's talk about extradition. Like, you know, when you extradite, like, you know, somebody is either a, a PR, permanent resident in Canada or a new citizen, and then they commit a crime. What happens to them? Like, do they get extradited?
1: Oh, like, deportation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. OK, so with deportation, a lot of it is, you know. We know that when we go uh, traveling, let's say, and we're going abroad, we have to be very careful and we have to check our bags and everything like that and make sure that we be good Canadian citizens while we're outside of our country or else if we get in trouble, we're going to go, you know, to their jails. And, um, you know, so again, we want to make sure that we are on our best behavior because we'll go to their institutions, Right. Um, same with some people that maybe were born in Canada. Let's say you were born here in Canada and you moved here from Canada and you went to uh, the States or somewhere and you got a permanent residency and you got in trouble in the States. Let's say you did a pretty serious crime. They're going to charge you under the US, you know, um, criminal code and you're going to do your time there. But upon release, they don't want you back in their. They don't want you in their country, so they're saying we're shipping you back to Canada. So I've had people dropped literally at the border. You know, uh, where's our borders at? We have.
0: Uh, we have Windsor, we have Thousand Islands, which is not too far from Brockville. Uh, there's a, also another one I can't remember. Um, Niagara. Yeah, Niagara That's as well. Um, there's about like five of them in this whole part of southern ontario so you're saying to me is that they get dropped off of the border what if what can they get flown back into
1: uh yes they can get flown back in but when you hit pearson airport you're on your own right so and some people listen if if i moved away from here as a child and now i'm getting deported back to canada i'm dropped off at the border and what do i do so i've even had people call john howard and we've arranged for them to get picked up transportation and then they usually can get brought here or somewhere and then we have to find them shelter you know so now you could be living your best life somewhere else get go into the justice system in in a different country and then get dropped off here and that's sometimes what happens unfortunately back to you know in other places like i know that unfortunately in some places um people are getting dropped back off in certain areas or certain countries where they kill you because you're a disgrace because you got deported back into their, their, their country. Oh,
0: don't even get me started with that. That, yeah. that is very, very common. Very, very common, not here in Canada, but if you, uh, were not born in Canada, you have a PR permanent residency, or you were a citizen and you did your crime up here. The minute they find out and it, And the thing is, if you were on the plane and they found it while you are on the plane, the minute you land, you're dead. Mm -hmm. I know the story. They turned
1: around that plane so quick.
0: Yep. And it's very, very common. Um, So there's also the other part to it. Um, So you talked about somebody who was born in Canada, lived somewhere else, or went on to vacation or was in another country. But now what if that person was here, they did the crime. Would they be just like deported? Or like, uh, would they serve their sentence here and then be let go?
1: It happens. Uh, A lot of times what they happen, what will happen is they get retained or detained, sorry, not retained, detained uh, in immigration. Um, So there's, so immigration will take them and you will get an immigration lawyer and you will plea your case and figure out, and you know, sometimes you do your crime here, or sorry, do your time here and get put back. Um, meanwhile, like you know, your immigration lawyer is fighting for you tooth and nail to have the proper support set up here so that you can stay here. But you know, if the if the conviction is you know too severe, then they will deport you. And if you don't have enough supports, if you can't afford a lawyer, you know, same things. Like for us, what do we do? Like if you're a Canadian citizen and you go to jail and you can't you know afford a lawyer and then you don't get proper representation, fortunately, sometimes you just got to do the time. Um, whereas if you're an immigrant or someone that with a PR or you're you know um, you know those things, then they they take you into that uh, location and. And, you know, they fight it out for you. And if you can't represent yourself properly, then you do get deported, unfortunately. Wow.
0: So that's deportation, extradition. And then now what is remand?
1: Remand. Great question. Great question. So remand is, again, you uh, have been charged, but you are still considered innocent. Until proven guilty, so they will put you on remand, and so remand. Uh, so actually, again, at the Toronto South Detention Center, that's one of the major places that people will go on remand, and they sit there until you can get yourself a lawyer or enough, you know, supports to go in front of a judge or when you have a court hearing. Because sometimes the courts are backed up, so maybe you're getting charged and uh, you're going on remand to and and in. in, in go in front of a judge but sometimes you can wait a very long time in remand i've seen people wait months i've seen people wait years you know and you know so sometimes you're um considered innocent and they let you go and that's it you're oh you're innocent okay go or if you're guilty then they can give you um they can give you the amount of time that you're awaiting in remand that can give you time served so that means however long you're sitting there waiting to get to go to trial, then when you get to trial, let's say you, let's say you were sitting there for six months and they char- they gave you a year, you know, with it's, um, when you go, if you do a year, you have to do two thirds of your time so they can say that. So some people have sat in remand and actually got to leave and, you know, you leave with your criminal record because they've charged you as guilty, but you get to leave uh, the institution.
0: Wow there's uh, wow <laughs> uh, it 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 is such a a huge surprise of how the system works now um so there's remand uh we were also talking as well about failure to comply so what is the whole gist with that uh in in terms of like what does it mean failure to comply What if, like, you know, you're exercising rights where you're being asked by authorities to give your name, all that stuff like that, but you fail to comply?
1: So a lot of times, um, FTC is what we call it here, is the failure to comply, is that you've been convicted or you've been charged and you are under some orders and okay so i'll give you a little scenario for the listeners is uh a lot of times unfortunately it's very popular as domestic right especially um during the pandemic go back and hear uh, seasons of one and two for anger management and some domestic stuff you know what up unplugged it's all the stuff
0: yeah, she's already put in she's already putting the plug in and shout out in there perfect
1: so. <laughs> um yeah we just we just got to be able to dug into so much good stuff that uh, your listeners can listen to so again domestics happen you know um Stressors get high. And so let's say you are charged with a assault, you and your partner got into a situation. So usually uh, one of you have to leave the house. Unfortunately, it's usually the male, And so you are at your buddy's house and you realize that you have some paperwork that you left back at home that you need because you're getting a new job. And so, you know, you need to go back to the house. But under your conditions, it says do not go back to so and so address. But you know what, you and that girl, you were cool. And you know that it's a one off and, and everything is good. Yeah, it was good until you went to the house unannounced. And all that person has to do is pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, they're on my property and that would be considered a failure to comply. Um, And that's to your orders. And so a lot of times that will make that you have to go you know back to jail unfortunately because um, a lot of times it's bail orders with w- which is your failures to comply or you know or parole or probation there's a bunch of orders that people put on you but if you're failing to comply with the orders that the you know um that the law has given you then uh, you can get yourself in some trouble and fortunately either recharged or back into the institution
0: so even with that when you have to retrieve your belongings you contact the police for you to go for like it's one
1: time yeah that's the conversation we were having this is where that question came up from yeah because yeah, again yeah long times As uh, a lot of times you have um that one call to the officers where they say okay we'll assist you try to get all your stuff but that person has to comply with that amount of time so let's say you know they reach out to the person that you're living with and say okay we're going to come by friday at five you know, to get the belongings. And if they're not there Friday at five, sometimes it's unfortunate for you. Like that's it. This is your one time. So a lot of times that's what people do is try to take the law into their own hands and like, you know, oh, I got this and things like that. But usually, yeah, the cops usually go with you one time to go retrieve your stuff.
0: Wow. So then my next question is this. What if uh, I own that property and or like my name is on the lease, but they're living there even though that is my uh like i own it or i leased it under my name
1: they look at it as that's the marital home so if you are common law or married, especially if you're married, it's the marital home, then, you know, usually your partner will have just as much rights to it as you. Uh, I've heard people that are dating, you know, and as soon as they start sleeping over at your house and stuff like that, that's considered that you guys have been uh, intimate. That's when it gets domestic As if you've been um, intimate with this person. And uh, so that's considered that, that's, that they have the right to be there. And I've seen even people that are dating get kicked out of their own like condos while this girl, or you know, just stays at the condo because you know what? That was where you, you know she was welcomed into that place and now she's able to be there. So I've seen some really crazy things come in with uh, the property.
0: Wow. Well, for anybody who is in a situation like that. You you got your clarification. Um, unfortunately, that's how the law works. Um, it, this subject has been a a very touchy, somber kind of subject, but it needed to be heard. Um, and I'm glad to have you back on the podcast as well to kind of explain a lot of these things. Because like some of the stuff, like you know, just talking with you, like I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And you know, and for anyone who's listening. I hope that the information is very useful. You may be going through a situation or if a situation arises that you're properly prepared with it and how to deal with it legally. um, You know, and it's quite interesting because like you were also talking about loopholes as well. It's like, how is it that if the law is supposed to be black and white, but it has loopholes You know, there's all these little loopholes and little cracks and openings in order for you to either prove your innocence or it could be used against you. You know what I mean?
1: It's so true. So, I mean, I really, really recommend anybody to, uh, you know, if you ever find yourself, you can even get legal uh, consultations. So sometimes before you put any money down, you can call up a lawyer and they might ask you a few questions like what, you know, and if they feel like it's something worth them taking, depending on the, 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 you know, the level of how with this lawyer is they might be able to look at this and say okay like you know this is an easy thing this is no problem like you know give me some money i can get you off or sometimes they can take a look at your situation and say okay we're in some deeper water here and and you're really going to need, um, you know, more representation and things like that. So I'm just saying, like, you can get a consultation, but always get legal advice. Don't do it on your own. Don't listen to your friends. I know that some people might have been through there, done that and stuff like that. And it's, you know, but until you, every every case is different. And uh, so if don't take the law into your own hands. Get some legal advice and, and take it serious.
0: All right. Uh, so you guys heard it. Sarah James back in the building again back yeah on the podcast. thank you
1: d'angelo such no a problem. such an honor to come back on here Unplug season yep. three again yeah like you were saying you know it's a little serious but it is serious it is these serious, are things that we gotta know and yeah, you know be to privy know to so um,
0: yes there's that too um and also like where the sector where I come from, where I'm talking about like mental health and stuff like that. I haven't really I, I've touched on it a little bit on in season two, um, but I haven't touched on so much on the Ontario Mental Health Act. And that's a whole other authority in itself where it's not a judge that's going to be an authority. It's actually at the at the you're at the mercy of a doctor. Right. And they will implement certain things. Uh, depending on your mental condition. But I would like to go more into that in another episode where I'll bring another guest on to kind of break that down and open that up a little bit um, because a lot of people need to know about that. Like, it it is just a whole other ball game and playing Absolutely. field. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so
1: prevalent nowadays. Like, you know, it's out there and it yeah. needs to be known. So. so
0: it has to be known. So uh, as we always do for every guest, let them know your contact, a way to contact you um, so that if they do have any questions pertaining to the subject or the previous subjects that we've done in both season one and two, uh, just let them know what, with how to get in contact with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any questions or comments, please email me at S-J-A-M-E-S at J-H-S-T dot C-A. Uh, so again, my name is Sarah James S. james at jhst.ca. Uh, if I can't answer your questions, I will definitely lead you in the direction of who can, um, again, just make sure that you ask the questions, get the right advice and make the right moves.
0: All right. So that's Sarah, but what about me? Oh yeah. D'Angelo Valentine. So. For those who are just hearing this podcast for the very first time, well, I'll just let you know that you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, AFTRDRK. And if you wanna know a little bit more about me on the Instagram space, d.aftrdrk, that's where I have like, stuff that happens in my personal life, stuff that you see behind the scenes for the podcast, anything that's happening with After Dark. And if this is the very first time that you're hearing this podcast, unplug, U-N-P-L-G-D, that's how it's spelled. It's on every podcast platform. So we have Spotify, Apple Podcasts, google there's all these little podcast apps that you can subscribe to i know my friends there out in the caribbean that may not have access to spotify you can find me there on google unplgd thank you so much for listening my name is d'angelo valentine peace